Ephesians chapter 4. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for this time in your word. We pray that you open it up to us. That it wouldn't just be the words of men or words on a page, Father, but to be the word of God, alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, I thank you that it will divide tonight. It will bring clarity, bring understanding, and we'll rightly divide it and understand it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's important to understand the word. Amen. I want to go in a direction tonight. We've kind of been talking about worry the past couple Wednesdays, and um, God gave me this today, and this kind of is in line with worry a little bit, and you'll see where the connection comes in, but tonight, tonight's message is entitled, I'm Confused. I'm Confused. Ever been confused? Anybody ever been confused about anything? Not just the Bible, but confusion in and of itself. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you can come down for prayer later, uh, because we have all been confused about something at some point in time. And so I want to take a look at confusion tonight and how to get rid of confusion, how to bring understanding to that, especially in areas that uh, have to do with the will of God in our lives. That seems to be one of the biggest ones where confusion comes in, and that's one of the biggest ones we need to have the less confusion about. Should I start this business? Should I go back to school? Uh, should we have kids right now? Where should I send my kids to school? Uh, you know, should I be friends with this person? Should I go into business with this person? There's all kinds of things that have to do with the will of God in our lives. And so I want to help uh, bring direction and clarity to different things tonight and get rid of that confusion. So here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, we've looked at this verse uh, a few times recently. And it says, This I say, therefore... And testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. Um, I want to read this to you in the New Living Translation. If you have the U version app, you can pull it up right there. If not, you can just uh, listen along. It won't be up on the TVs. But it says this, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused hopelessly confused god right here is identifying that he doesn't want his people confused he doesn't want his people living uh where the new king james calls it a darkness of mind but he he calls it confusion the first thing i want you to understand is that confusion takes place in the mind that's where confusion takes place remember you are a three-part being you are a spirit you have or possess a soul which is your mind will and emotion and you live in a fleshly body Confusion takes place in your mind. Your, watch this. Your spirit man is never confused. Let me say that again. Your spirit man is never confused. Your spirit man always knows, always knows the right answer, the right thing to do, the right way to go. Your spirit man always has direction. Uh, people say, well, you know, what about when you're lost? Well, the Bible refers to the spirit man when you are lost, when you are unsaved, as dead. So your spirit is always connected to God and always wants everything about God. Before you get saved, your spirit man is a dead, dead, which means takes no effect in your life. Which means you are now limited to your flesh and you're limited to your mind, your will, and emotions. Okay? But now that we are saved, now that we're born again, now that we have come into the light and the knowledge of the kingdom. And now that uh, we are born again, Jesus is the Lord of our life, our spirit man becomes alive. Now our spirit man can take effect in our life. And the spirit inside of us, who we really are, is connected with God, knows the will of God, the Bible says, is connected with his spirit, is speaking to his spirit, and knows what God wants you to do. The key is getting your mind clued in on it. And this is where confusion comes in. Now, when we looked at worry, if you remember, the definition of worry that we brought out out of the Greek, the Greek translation for worry means divided into parts. Divided in two separate directions. You want to go this way, but there's also a desire to go this way. And that's what worry is. Worry is, I believe God is the healer, but I don't know if he can heal me. 
worry comes in because even though we know the truth and even though the truth is truth, it's there, you can't be changed, now we've started to place our mind somewhere else and now we're divided into parts, we're separated. So when we look at confusion, we look at the mind and this word confusion, this word confused out of the Greek means this, to make unclear. It means a union of two different things. A union together, a togetherness, a mixing together. In fact, the word confused in the Greek, the Greek word for it, I'm not going to say it or even try to attempt to say it because it's a very confusing word. (laughs) Confusing. But in the Greek, it actually has the connotation of pouring or mixing two things together and trying to make them one. So worry, we saw, was dividing into two parts in the mind. Now confusion is the mixing together or the union together of two things that are contrary. You ever try to mix two liquids together? What if I took, uh, what if I took a poisonous liquid and poured it into water. Is the water safe for me? Not with the poisonous mixture. Is the water safe for me by itself? Yeah. But now that we have included something that is contrary to the water, that is not as safe, now we have brought together a union of something that now is dangerous to our lives. And that's what this word confused in the Greek uh, it means. Uh, it, it also uh, means um, this. It means to pour together, to co-mingle. It means basically what it's saying is two separate trains of thought existing in the same place. They're coexisting. Two separate trains of thought coexisting. So that is what confusion is uh, by definition. Confusion is used by the enemy to get you off task and to keep you from completing an assignment. Confusion will get you off task and it will keep you from completing an assignment. We see the very first instance of confusion coming into the Bible where we use the word confused was the Tower of Babel. Some of you may be familiar with that story that uh, men on earth were trying to build a tower or a structure that went all the way to heaven because they wanted to be like God. They wanted to be in heaven and be as high as God. And God said, between him and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, we have to confuse their language, otherwise they'll become like us. And he confused their language to stop their task and to keep them from completing their assignment. Well, the enemy uses confusion. The enemy uses confusion in our lives to get us off a task and an assignment that God has called us to do, that God has called us to perform. And when you're confused about something, there's no advancement. You don't complete anything. You don't finish anything when you're confused about it. We know this. You can't properly finish or complete a task if there's confusion. If I'm confused on what I'm supposed to do, if I don't know how this is supposed to work, anybody ever been confused in schoolwork? Let's just use schoolwork. That's the simplest. The the number one subject that confused me in my life was math. Okay? I already had a hard enough time before I got into the eighth grade. Then in the eighth grade, they go a step further and they start introducing the alphabet in your math. Now we're mixing numbers and letters. That's two separate things. The alphabet is for English class and for language class and spelling. And then math and science are over here with numbers. Don't start mixing stuff together now. That's where I started getting confused. I don't know why there's letters here. X plus Z equals Y. Why is a good question. That's the letter that stands out to me is Y. 
Why am I having to do this? Why are they torturing me? That's where confusion set in. And I'll tell you right now, I was unable to complete and properly finish certain assignments because I was confused. I had a union of two different things that, to me, didn't belong together, letters and numbers. In my mind, that didn't make sense. Okay? So this confusion sets in, and it will keep you from completing an assignment. Let's look at something here in um, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, I want to show you a couple other instances in the Bible where confusion is used. So far, we have seen that confusion is used by the enemy to get you off task or to keep you from finishing an assignment. And look at this in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. It says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Futile means empty. They became empty in their hearts, in their minds, that they had nothing there. Because they knew God and didn't respond to him as God. That's a problem. Look what uh, this same passage, Romans 1.21, look what it says in the, the New Living Translation. Yes, they knew God. But they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused as a result of knowing God and then thinking up foolish ideas of God their minds became dark and confused confusion set in because they were now drumming up ideas of God that were contrary to who he really was there became a union of knowing God yet not properly respecting him and honoring him and thanking him. And they began to drum up foolish ideas. So now we have a no God and then what we think about God. God isn't interested in what you think about him. Just go ahead and let you know. He's only interested in what his word says about him, and he wants us to get in alignment with what his word says. Okay? So confusion set in because they began to come up with Foolish ideas of who God was when they already knew who God was. It was already clarity. The clarity became unclear because they, in their minds, began to come up with different ideas. Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 10. Galatians chapter 5, verse 10 says, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other Mind. What does that mean? Other mind. That means that they already have a mind. They already have a certain mind. And he says, I have confidence that you will have no other mind. Watch this. Why would, they, why would they not have any other mind? But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Th what he's saying is, is there is someone that's coming around trying to tell you something other than what you already know about the scripture. He's talking about false teachers and false doctrine. He's saying, we have taught you a certain way. We have shown you the word of God a certain way. But there's someone else coming around trying to show you a different way. Trying to show you another way. So watch this in the New Living Translation. Galatians chapter 5, verse 10. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teaching. God will judge that person. Whoever he is who has been confusing you. Whoever he is who has been pouring in and mixing in something with what you already know. They have been commingling. They have bringing up, uh, they've been bringing up another thought process that goes against what we've been teaching you. They're trying to confuse you. They're trying to mix what you already know with something that's contrary to it. They're trying to pour poison into your water. The thing that we've been given to you to bring life and to, to be uh, of assistance to you, they've been bringing death and mixing it in, and it's confusing you. It's making things unclear. You've heard me say this before. Confusion is the result 
of lending your ear to too many voices. Confusion is the result of lending your ear to too many voices. You can't be confused about something if you only know one way to do it. If you buy a piece of furniture, us men, we like to take that furniture and we like to take the manual and the step-by-step process of how to put this thing together. And what do we do with it? I don't need it. Then later on in the process, we get confused. Why? Because now we are coming up with ideas, foolish ideas of what this thing could do or how we could use this piece or how these two things go together or these two pieces that aren't even supposed to go together. We think they are supposed to go together. If we would just pull out the manual, which gives us clarity, sometimes, even the manuals can be confusing. And the, the, the ratio of how confusing it is versus clarity is depending on how well they lay out the manual. I mean, there's some products that I will just buy because I know their manual is going to be easy to understand. Target's uh, furniture, they have great manuals, very descriptive. They tell you exactly how many pieces of this you're supposed to have, exactly how to do this. But then uh, there's a company that we buy from a lot called Ikea, and they don't use any words. There's no words in their manuals. They have this fat little uh, stick figure that they use, and then they have like the objects, and they have screws, and they say four of these and six of these, but they look exactly the same. They don't give you measurements and dimensions. I mean, Target tells you this one is two and a half inches long. This one is three and a half inches long. You should have six of these. You should have four of these. And they're very descriptive. They tell you this is how you're supposed to you put this thing in here. And Ikea, they just expect you to automatically know how to put theirs together. Theirs is muddy and cloudy and doesn't have a lot of clarity. Ever poured oil into water? Which the two, they don't mix. But at first, you know, it's all cloudy. Where if I just had water, I could see straight through the thing. There's no confusion. There's no two things trying to unionize and trying to come together. Because when I read an Ikea manual, I read it, and then I get my own idea. So now I'm mixing what's already there in front of me with my idea of how it's supposed to work. It gets confusing, and I'm not able to finish or complete the task at hand. But now when I read a Target manual, that's easy. That's clarity. I don't have to come up with my own foolish ideas of how this is supposed to go together. They lay it out clearly. No confusion. And then I'm able to complete the task, finish the assignment, and utilize my beautiful new piece of furniture. All right? So confusion comes as a result of lending your ear to too many voices. So the question is, is we got to get on the right voice. We got to get the direction and the clarity from one source, not ten sources. I've told people before, you know, uh, um, you know, it, 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 no matter what it is in life, a lot of times you could go to ten different people and get ten different ways to do one thing. Well, how should I start up my business? Well, this is how this person did, and then this is how this person did, and then I saw on TV this person did, and I read this book, and they said they did and, and now we're trying to mix together all these things, and it gets confusing because we have so many voices when we just need the right one way to do it. Well, if we would just go to God, he would give us the direction and the answer to how to finish and complete the assignment at hand. Don't go running around. Everybody's got a different way of how they should do it, and you'll find out that those really are just opinions. It's really not a black and white. If you don't do it this way, it will fail. If you do it this way, it'll work. It worked for that person, and it worked for that person. But because it worked for them doesn't mean it'll work for you. This happened to Moses. Moses got in the wilderness. The Israelites are crying out for water. They're thirsty, and God says, hit the rock with your staff, and water will come pouring out. Great. This happened again. The Israelites are complaining about water. They're thirsty. We don't have any water. We should have just stayed in Egypt. At least we have water there. They're breaking our backs open, but at least we have water. 
And so God says, speak to the rock and the water will come out. And what does Moses do? He does it his way. Instead of just sticking with the clarity, instead of just, just sticking with the direction, he says, well, it worked for me last time when I hit the rock, so I'll hit it again. Well, water came out, but that very act kept him from completing his assignment of taking the Israelites into the promised land. Confusion will come. There's no doubt about it. But the way that we get out of confusion is getting back to the one voice that has all the answers. And I'm going to tell you, it's not your mom and your sister and your best friend and your Facebook friend and your Facebook and this and that. It's not those people. It's the word of God. We have to get back to what really brings true clarity and true direction. Because right now, we have a union of two things that aren't mixing, that are contrary. They're not going together. And so now, I, should I do it this way? Should I do it that way? Should I do it this way? But on the inside, your Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaking to your spirit on the inside knows the answer, already has the clarity, already knows exactly what the next step is, already knows how we're going to advance and move on and finish and complete this assignment. So we've got to get the answer. Confusion is a result of lending your ear to too many voices. So let's look at a few things here. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with, thanks, with thanksgiving. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. If we just stay true to what we were built and rooted in, look, this is, rooted doesn't mean you're just casually in the word. Rooted uh, doesn't mean that, you know, sometimes I make it to church, you know, if, if I don't have too much going on. Rooted means that's my foundation. That's where I'm stuck. Go try picking up a tree that is rooted in the ground. Go try pulling a, a weed or a flower that has taken root in the ground. It's not just laying on top of the surface. It has dug down deep in there. It's set in its place. And storms come and blow, and that thing stays right where it's supposed to be. Why? Because it's rooted. There's no confusion that can come. There's no adversity that can come. It is rooted. It's founded in the word. It's founded, uh, uh, Paul says here, in the faith. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, the next chapter over. Colossians chapter 3 and uh, verse 1 says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. We've seen this before. Setting your mind. Whose responsibility is it to set the mind? Ours. It's our responsibility to set our mind on things above. What's he saying? Put your mind where Jesus is, where your foundation is, where your faith is, and you won't have confusion. Confusion comes is because we're setting our mind on everything but on above. Not on earth. Not on natural things. Not on things of this world. Why? Because this earth is confusing. That's what, the, that's what the devil is here to do. He is here to bring confusion. He is here to mix the truth that you know with lies that are contrary to it to get you off course to complete you from finishing a task, to keep you from completing an assignment. If we're going to finish, if we're going to complete the assignment, if we're going to do the will of God in our lives, then we have to set our minds on things above, not on things on the earth. Watch this in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Let this mind, 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also Christ Jesus. I don't have it in there, but you know the story of Jesus when he was tempted by the devil. Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, if you want to write it down for reference later on. You write it down and you'll see that Jesus had an opportunity. He had the opportunity, just like you and I, to become confused. That might sound crazy to you that Jesus actually could have been confused. But he wasn't. Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. Jesus is tempted by the devil in the wilderness. Bible says that he was tempted on all accounts, just as we were, just as we are tempted. And so he was tempted by the devil, and what was the devil doing? Bringing lies, bringing things that are contrary to the word of God. In fact, the devil would even use the word of God against him. But Jesus wasn't confused. Jesus never became confused. Jesus never let his mind go to what the enemy was bringing to him. When he said, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth, Jesus wasn't confused by that statement. He knew, I'm the king. These all already belong to me. And I'm not going to bow down to you. You are going to bow down to me. Because in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. He didn't become confused. He didn't let his mind become uh, co-mingled or become in union with something contrary to what he already knew. Look at Jesus's life. It says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus's life was dictated by having his mind fixed on one thing, doing what the Father tells me to do. There's no confusion. There's no confusion because whatever my father tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. Wherever my father tells me to go, that's where I'm going to go. In fact, he was so rid of confusion, he was so uh, fixed on putting his mind on his father that he was able to make statements like, if you've seen the father, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. He's able to make that statement because he knew I haven't let my mind go anywhere that is contrary to what my father tells me to do. I keep my mind fixed on his word. I keep my mind fixed. Look, Jesus had to do the same thing you and I have to do on a daily basis. Set our minds. Jesus had opportunities. In Matthew chapter 16, he has a conversation with his disciples. And he asked them, who do men say that I am? He had an opportunity to become confused because his disciples responded and say, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Isaiah. Some say you're one of the prophets come back from the dead. And Jesus could have gone, hmm, maybe I am just one of them. He could have become confused. I know it sounds silly, but that was his identity. But he didn't have his mind set on the earth. He didn't care what people said about him. He didn't care how they labeled him. He didn't, they didn't, he didn't care what they try to make up about him. He was fixed on one thing, what my father says. My father, when I came up out of the Jordan River, he said, this is my only begotten son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus' mind went back to above where his father is and said, no, my father said I'm his son. So that's the only thing. That's, that's the only truth there is. He was set on God's word. He had another opportunity when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he could have been confused about what his will was versus his father's will. And he said, if there's any way this cup can pass from me, but not my will, your will. What did he do? He identified, I have a will, but if it's contrary to the word, I'm getting, it rid, I'm getting rid of it. I'm not allowing it to operate in my life. The number one way you can tell 
the number one way you can get rid of confusion is your life is always seek His will. Always seek His will. Always seek the Father's will for your life. Here's the difference. The Father's will will benefit others. Your will will benefit you. Your fleshly will is what I mean. Yes, your spirit has a will, and we've already discovered that your spirit wants the will of God for your life. But when it's our fleshly will, guess what? Your flesh is only looking out for number one. Your flesh is only looking out for you. I'm going to say this to her because it makes me feel better. I'm going to start this business or I'm going to take this job because it gets me more money. That's the difference. I want to date this person because of what they do for me. But understanding and knowing God's will, you'll quickly identify it's about the other person. I can be this person's soulmate. I can use this business to advance, make advancement for the kingdom of God. I can take this job because it's going to bring in more money that's going to then allow me to flow it to other people and bless other people and bless my church and be able to give to others. That's the difference. Well, that just that gets rid of some confusion right there. That brings clarity right there because we've been trying to union, we've been trying to co-mingle our will with God's will. We've been trying to do our will and at the same time say we're doing God's will. But you can't do both. So we get rid of the confusion. I'm not saying you won't benefit from it because the greatest benefit to your life is following God's will for your life. That's the greatest benefit on the face of the planet. When other people are blessed, you're blessed. So we have to understand that the way we get out of confusion, first of all, is by discovering God's will and going after his will over our will. There's no confusion there. Jesus had a will. He said, I don't do my own will. That means he could have done his own will. He didn't say he's forced to do God's will. He was in this earth as man just like you and I, and he had the opportunity. I don't feel like going to Gethsemane. I don't feel like talking to this Samaritan woman. We don't even get along. But he always sought his father's will. And so we've got to seek the will of God that gets rid of confusion. Philippians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That's awesome. We are able to have the mind of Christ. What's the mind of Christ? To do the Father's will. To set my mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Not on natural things. No longer am I going to be confused. The greatest way to get out of confusion is to go back to God's word and allow this to be the foundation. Allowing God's word to be the foundation in your life keeps you from being confused. See, here's what this does. The word becomes a filter. And when you take everything you hear and you take everything you discover in life and you filter it through the word of God. It gets rid of all the lies and everything contrary to it. And in the end, you end up with truth. In the end, you end up finding out what part of it was truth and what part of it wasn't. Always go back to the word. We cannot hesitate to go back to God's word. We cannot hesitate to go to the word of God. Watch this in Hebrews chapter 4. I didn't put this in the notes, but Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Give uh, Mr. Jimmy back there a, a second to pull it up. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 in the New King James. In the New King James, it says, uh, For the word of God is living. And powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the, what's that word? Division of soul and spirit 
and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's a discerner of what you're thinking and what your intentions are of the heart. Now look at this. It divides between what? Soul and spirit. Remember what I said when I first opened up. Your spirit man is never confused. Your spirit man cannot be confused. Your spirit man already knows everything about your life that there is to know. Your spirit man knows if you're going to take that job. Your spirit man knows if you should start that business. Your spirit man knows if you should be friends with that person. Your spirit man knows if you should marry this person. Your spirit man knows the will of God for your life. We've said before that our goal in life is to get our mind to catch up with what our spirit already knows. So your spirit already knows the will of God. No confusion. Where does the confusion come? When the soul, what's the soul? Your mind, your will, your emotions. Remember, we put it this way. Your mind, what you think, your will, what you want to do, and your emotions, how you feel. That's where the confusion comes in. As believers, we get confused when we allow, when we allow what we think about something, how we feel about something, or what we want to do to come into play. When that starts to mix with what the Spirit already knows as truth, confusion sets in. Remember, Paul said over there in Galatians chapter 5, he said, uh, uh, don't be confused by false teachers that are trying to get you off of what you already know. Your spirit knows everything. Every truth about this word, your spirit already knows it. The confusion comes when we read the word and we bring it in light of our environment or our culture or things that have happened in our life. When we read the word about healing, but our experience is that God puts sickness on people to teach them something. And so we read the word and we take that. Our spirit knows the truth. That's not a truth. But now how we feel about something or what we think about something creeps in, mixes, it co-mingles with truth, and now we've got confusion. So the word of God is a two-edged sword dividing between what you think, what you want, and how you feel about something, and what's actually truth. So the word is the foundation. The word is the filter. This is how you get out of confusion. Set my mind on things above the word of God. Have the mind of Christ. He always stayed to the word of God. This is how you get out of confusion. If you are confused about something, even naturally speaking, oh, so you think, so the Bible tells me uh, if I should uh, uh, take this job or not? No, it doesn't literally tell you that, but it can give you principles and give you steps to show you, identify, is that something that you should do according to the word of God or not? Let's look at the, let's look at the partners that you're going into business with. Let's, go, let's look at your purpose or your intentions for the business. Let's look at what the business stands for. Those things are identified in the word of God. And it will divide. It will split in two. It will, it will cut away what you want to do. And it will leave the truth standing there all by itself. And now we have clarity. Now we have understanding. I don't know if I pulled this verse out. Philippians chapter 4. I didn't go there yet. Philippians chapter 4. So the word has to be our foundation. And Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 says, be anxious for nothing. Remember that word anxious, worry, to be divided into parts? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Meditate on these things. Is that the next verse 8? Whatever things are true, that's where he starts talking about meditating. All these things here at the very end, he says, meditate on these things. 
here's the, here's the thing. Too many times we confuse peace with comfort. That's dangerous. Don't confuse peace with comfort. Some of the greatest areas of my life that I have had peace about in decisions that I've made have been some of the most uncomfortable decisions I've ever made in my life. That word peace means rest, means quiet, it means security and safety. But that might not be the most comfortable situation. There's people that I talk about and walking and living by faith all the time. And you can get peace about something even though your flesh isn't comfortable with it. And when we make that decision, when we get out of confusion, we got to understand that it will bring peace to our lives. It will bring peace to us. And that will guard our heart and our mind. Why does our mind and our heart have to be guarded? Because we just saw that confusion is lending your ear to too many voices. So how do you guard your heart? Meditate on the word of God. Meditate. Meditate. Why does confusion set in? Because we don't continue to stay in this. That word meditate means to chew on and to chew on and chew on. That's why tomorrow morning some people will wake up Monday morning and Thursday morning after church and be confused about something that I just preached less than 24 hours before. Why? Because they didn't meditate and they didn't chew on and they didn't stay in. They didn't guard their heart and they let another voice in. Ever ever been in a situation or position where you saw something in the word of God or you heard a message and you knew that was truth? And then you go to discuss it with someone, and then they bring up something contrary to it, and now we're confused. Now it's, oh, I thought I knew it. I thought I understood it. But now we have to, it's because we have to stay in the word that we heard. You have to build that foundation. You have to choose to set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your mind where the Father is, where the Word of God is, not on this earthly, natural realm where everybody has a different way of doing something. And the enemy wants to attack you. The enemy wants to bring confusion because he knows if he confuses you in your assignment, you won't complete the assignment. He wants to bring well, you could do it this way, or you could do it this way, or you could do it this way, or these people did it this way, and it should work for you. When God's saying, just do it this way. See, God said his way is narrow. But the enemy's way is wide. See, narrow's easy, man. See, this row right here, this is narrow. There's only one way to go. But then we think we like wide because then I get to make a choice. I get to make a decision. I get to do what I want, but that's where the confusion comes in. I mean, when you are on a one-lane road, it's not hard. It's, that's it. You don't need to know which lane to be in. You don't need to know which one's the exit and which one's not. But then when you get in some of those big cities that have four, five, or six lanes wide, and now confusion set. Am I supposed to be over here? In, in, in Dallas, we had lanes called HOV lanes. That's the far left lane. And there's no speed limit in that lane. But there's no going in and out of it. And you, you, have, to, uh, you have to have more than one person in the car to be in that lane. So confusion could set in. You get on one of those big highways and you don't know, am I supposed to be over there? Am I supposed to be in the far right lane? I mean, that's the most annoying thing, man. You get behind some driver in the middle lane or the left lane or the far left lane and they're just going 65 looking for an exit. 
Dude, your lane's way over there, man. Get out of the way. I'm blowing 90 down this thing. It's an HOV lane, and you can't just hop in and out of it. You can only get in at certain times. You can only get out. That's because you know I'm not exiting. I'm going straight. There's no confusion. I've got clarity. I've got direction. I'm in my lane. Get, don't get in my lane. Get those confusing people. Where, where is it? No. There's a far right lane for people like you. And when that thing veers off, just go ahead and get off, man. You don't need to be over here. That's the way it was, man. I've lost it. We were back in San Antonio a couple years ago, and I was trying to fight with that traffic, man. But, hey, I did the right thing. I got in the right lane. I couldn't do it. I used to be great at that, hopping in and out of lanes and stopping and going. Dude, I could tear it up. Don't get in my way. I'll get up on the grass if I got to. Watch out. I could blow those interstates open. Now it's, I've got my country driving on, just, just hanging out, just cruising. You ain't cruising in Texas, man. You get out there in Dallas, Fort Worth, or Houston, or San Antonio, those big cities, there's no cruising. You are going. You get out of the way if you don't know what you're doing. Because you're confused. Am I supposed to get off? Am I not supposed to get off? But no, when it's narrow, his way is narrow, one lane, one way, boom. No confusion, direction, clarity. There's too many times that we've been living our lives with confusion, and that's because we're lending our ear to too much stuff. The greatest way to get out of confusion is get into God's word. Make it the foundation. Shut everything off, man. Shut it off. It's amazing. It, we, 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 we say that we believe the Bible and its truth, but then we see something on CNN and it changes. Our position changes. Fear starts gripping. Yet we know the Bible, yet we know it's true, yet we live by it. But we turn on Fox News and we start acting like that's more true than the Bible. We start mixing truth with something that's been manipulated Something that's been misunderstood, criticized, and has become a lie. And I'll tell you right now, even facts in your life are not more true than the Bible. What do I mean by that? You might be sick, but that doesn't mean that the truth of the word of God, that you are the healed of the Lord, isn't true anymore. We talked about it last week, the unseen and the seen. And what you see in this realm can be changed by what you can't see. So we get rid of confusion by going back to the word of God, filtering out the junk. You got to get that stuff out because we got to get back to the pure word of God, the water that washes us, that cleanses us, the word. Don't let things in the natural move you. Don't let things in this realm cloud the clearness and the clarity of the word of God. This is the most clear book on the face of the planet. And you know why? Because nothing in this book has anything to do with down here. It hasn't been clouded. The only way it gets clouded is when we get people in pulpits that don't preach it properly. The only way it gets clouded is when we get uh, denominations and religions that want to take this and then put their spin on what they think. And redefining grace and redefining sin, and redefining love. And when we get back to God's definition, we're straining out and filtering out all the garbage that has clouded the word, and then we can see, oh, that's what grace is. Oh, that's what love is. Oh, that's how God heals. Oh, that's what the Holy Spirit looks like. Instead of getting people's cloudy experiences and definitions and our sinful ways, my biggest thing is I want to rightly divide this word. That's my biggest goal in life especially as a pastor. I don't want to communicate anything that's not true. And so my goal is to rightly divide. That was what Paul told Timothy. Rightly divide the word. What's he saying? Get clarity. Set your mind on things above. There's not one book, not one verse, not one word in that Bible that was written by a man. It was penned by a man through the inspiration of God himself. And God is truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, I am the truth, 
and the light. So you get clarity by going back to the word, and it'll identify this is how it's supposed to be. Has anyone seen anything in the Bible that at one time you thought differently about, but now the cl- it's become clear? It's been opened up. Clarity has shown us, oh, now I understand it. Why? Because we've put on the lens that makes everything clear. For one, the lens of the kingdom. The lens of the kingdom makes everything clear. That's like taking a pair of glasses and putting on, and now you can see. Before, I could tell it looked like a tree, it looked like a person, it looked like a car, but now I've got my glasses on, and yep, that's a tree. Oh, that wasn't a car, that was a boat. Oh, that wasn't a man, that was a woman. Things become identifiable. Things become clear when you get the right lens on the word. It brings clarity, and it gets rid of confusion. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you that confusion has no place in our lives. Confusion can't take over. Confusion can't run us or rule us. And Father, I thank you that as we go back to your word, allow your word to be the filter. Allow your word to change what we think, how we believe, how we understood things, Father. I thank you that that clarity will come, the understanding will come. Father, I thank you for every person in this room as we become serious about studying your word, serious about hearing your word and applying it, that you will open it up to us. Those of us that maybe we've been doing our Bible reading plan, we've tried to study the word, but it just seems so confusing. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you will speak to us, that what we already know in our spirit will become clear to our mind. And when we see the truth, we won't allow people to take us off of it. We won't allow things on the earth to change what you have already made a truth in heaven. Father, we thank you for this night. I thank you for every person, individual, family that's here, that has sacrificed to be here on a Wednesday night. I thank you will honor this time in their lives. You will redeem the time in their lives. I thank you the rest of their week will be blessed. It will be changed. It will be different because they came and sought the kingdom tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.